Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. I can't believe we made it here, but Mike, this is episode 49. 49. Wow. Someday I'll I'll reach the age of 49. Someday. Uh, but but <laughs> that's an achievement. Hey, this is Mike Moses, a pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville, and the Lake Forest family of churches, and you are? I'm Harrison Gilming, uh, worship arts director here at Lake Forest, and, and uh, it's it's fun thinking back. Uh, it's been a neat journey. We've reflected on this a couple times, but it's been neat doing this podcast with you guys, and Mike, it's been been fun doing this. It's cool looking back and reflecting and then seeing seeing where we'll go, but I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, hanging in this space with us. It's yeah, been cool. That after a while, we evaluated, is this something that is valuable and we should continue? Because Harrison and I sure enjoyed doing it. And uh, the elders and our staff kind of thought, we, we just want to offer a few more venues, avenues for Lake Forest people to engage a bit more with leadership in their church, the heart of their church throughout the week. And so we ramped this up. Um, Cammie Howard has led the weekly word for Lake Forest women. Jeff Cook has the devotional. digital devotional mm-hmm. drop-in um, Thursdays. And so... Uh, we, the feedback that we get regarding the podcast, I, I, I like it when I just hear a, a, what to me is a surprising person going, yeah, I appreciated that episode, dialing in, and thanks for what you're doing. So yeah. let's continue. And today, we're going to talk about um, sort of the big E on the I chart, w- what it is mm-hmm. that when we all gather once a week, sort of the, the hub or the, the connection point of being a church what is that we do, which is worship? Um, we don't talk about that very often, but we sure it's the main thing we sure. do together. Um, and before that, though, Harrison, you have a fun thing to yeah. let our folks know coming up on May twenty third. Twenty third. That's right. Here, here, uh, here on May twenty third, we are targeting, weather permitting, uh, doing another outdoor worship Sunday morning party out on the lawn. It's been such a great success the last couple times that we've done it. And uh, we just looked at our calendar and thought this would be a great time to throw it out there again. So if the weather's good, uh, 930 and 1105, we'll be out on the lawn hanging out. And we really hope uh, there's been so much space out there, right? The last so couple much times. space. Yeah. We, we had up to 600 per service on Easter when we did it outside. And we imagined, uh, we saw that we could actually fit a good bit more than that. So we're start spreading the word, friends, to your community group, whomever. Sunday, May twenty third. We'd kind of like for that to be an all call, almost an Easterish moment. Um, when because of the uh, how we're doing with the pandemic uh, and conditions, we'll be able to worship without masks outside. Uh, it's sort of a back to in person. Even people who are not yet comfortable medically. Uh, coming back in the room with our precautions, we really want this to be a signature moment. So, and don't be a weenie. Uh, I'm saying this right now. <laughs> if anybody says to me, "Oh, I didn't want to come to the 11 o'clock service because it was going to be hot," I'm gonna be like, "Bro, either you're sitting at your kids' games right now and all summer, or you're intentionally putting yourself on a boat in a bathing suit, sweating your face off." slathered in lotion and hot and you're telling me 
I guess it's too hot to worship the living God for an hour in the field. I'm going to laugh in your face. I'm just I, laying that down right now. I hear you. I've I've spent <laughs> many many weekends out at a at a baseball tournament with it, you know, hitting up in uh, almost triple digits out there. How so many I, times did you say to Jake, Jake, it's too hot for me to go to your baseball game? My my younger children probably said that a couple times, but Emily and I would <laughs> bribe them with the concession stand, and life moves on. Exactly. So. Maybe we need a concession stand. That is a great idea. We should put somebody <laughs> on that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let me let me start with this then, Mike. An, an, an interesting question that I saw someone kicking around kicking around this week, and hopefully this isn't putting you on the spot too much, but it is kind of a funny question. When you 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 mentioned, and what we're talking about today is is what it means as we gather together to worship. You know, we'll talk some about how we do that and why we do that. But let me begin with this question. I saw someone post. They said, "Does it feel a little bit weird that God?" has given us commands, but the commands are, uh, worship me. I want to be worshiped <laughs> by you. I'm commanding you that this is a thing to do. Uh, why does God do that? You are putting me on the spot. It, it would be, it is weird for any created being to say such a thing for self advantage for any, any reason really. Yeah. But if you have a proper view of God, the, the, the highest good in the universe is saying, look at me, the touchstone of all that is good and right and true and beautiful. Uh, orient your life. Like, is it weird that the sun requires planets to revolve around it? No. Um, we, we are alive today we have i'm looking at a blue sky and green grass right now out the window because we have the sun to vivify to give life Mm -hmm. god is the life giver he kicked it all off he created life he creates each new life as it arises and so it's i might say this in my weird way God, what is God is saying to us and requiring of us is He's speaking our ontology back to us. Hmm. It is ontological to life in general, to human life specifically, to derive all that is best and right and human from the God who made us. And so, to worship that God, to and you'll define that in a moment. Um, to worship that God is simply to orient rightly. So in that hmm. sense, it's not weird. It is, uh, yeah. Is that it's it's like a it's like a you know, using part of your analogy. It's like a it's like the sunflower turning its face towards the sun a little That's bit, isn't precisely. it? Precisely. It's yes. kind it's kind of like, um, and I I think that's great. And there's a I think there's a couple aspects to it that number one, um, the the Bible says that you know when when we are when we are worshiping God uh, from a from a right-hearted place, that n- number one, God takes pleasure from that. Like he he enjoys when his beings are that he's created are worship worshiping him and loving him. But there's like a it feels like there's like a a care aspect of it. Also, like you said, Mike, for us, which is that like that is that is like the proper orientation of ourselves and our 
our our fullest and truest identity in ourselves, we're going to find when we are tilting towards that sun. Mm-hmm. And God is, uh, God is the most intelligent being in the universe, uh, all knowing, omniscient. Um, God has a proper view of God's self. Hmm. God is supremely pleased with God's self. God is joyful with God's self because of God's purity, unity, beauty, holiness, power. And therefore, God wants for us to find our own pleasure, our own joy, our own goodness by uh, basking in the highest good, the best person who is God. Um, and interesting, it, it, it's, it's true to say that, well, we can do that anywhere, anytime. That is very true. And yet, unlike the sunflower, the human being makes a choice of the will to worship or not, to mm-hmm. orient toward God. The, the, the sunflower does it naturally, beautifully. I've also often, by the way, I've I often asked my dog, Copper, and I ask deer this when I encounter them face to face. I did one. I st- we stood there 10 minutes in my backyard a couple months ago. And I just, the question springs off, and I ask them verbally, Harrison, <laughs> I, I hope my neighbors didn't hear me. I said, how do you encounter God? Do you know that you are perpetually uh, a part of God's pleasing creation and you're in God's will by being you? Do you know this? Or is it, do you experience it all at all? Or is it just part of your being that you're glorifying God right now. Mm-hmm. And of course the deer of my dog copper never answered me, but I want to know that. I'd have been a little worried if that's how your story would have ended just now. <laughs> and the deer looked up and said, and said, <laughs> but the, so, so interesting in yeah. the, in God's communication to us, starting with Genesis one, we are told that, that it, it is, it's, for a human being to be healthy, every seven days we intentionally turn toward God in worship uh, to give and receive glory and joy. And by the way, in the Old Testament, it's often talked about the, the result is joy. Um, th- th- there's something about us rhythmically, and, and you could lay this down in marriage. You know, there's something about in marriage... Yes, you should just naturally every now and then it should just come out of you. Hey, baby, I love you. But you should plan on saying that with some regularity. Mm -hmm. And so the plan to worship every seven days is what God has judged is about right. (laughs) To actually do it physically with other people um, in community is about right to set the idling speed that then it's just a part of our normal life. Yeah, and there's another aspect of it that obviously I think about all the time because of the way that I'm wired, read a lot, studied about, made a decision to spend my life doing it is God also commands us like all the time commands David talks about like worship worship through song. And I've thought about it a lot like what what is it about music? Why can't we just huh. walk out in the field and shout and just be like God, you're awesome. I've you're never great. contemplated that question, Harrison. <laughs> Why is music always associated with worship? Yeah, in the Bible, as I've read and, and looked at it a little bit, I think there's a there's a couple things. Um, number one, just on like a scientific level, um, there's a really neat book uh, uh, that I read that's called "This Is Your Brain on Music," hmm. and 
um, music is is like the most similar thing. There, there, there are a couple of your senses that are really strongly associated with memory. And believe it or not, if I'm if I'm not incorrect, I believe the 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 sense that you have that most strongly correlates with memory is your sense of smell. Believe it or not, really? when you smell something, it triggers memory centers in your brain where a particular smell can take anyways that's one reason i smoke a pipe and i was actually aware of it it draws up memories of my grandfather Mm. and raking leaves with my father uh in the falls as i was growing up music does very similar things in your brain um both positively and negatively what what music does it like shortcuts you directly to a place like if I played a song, if I played a uh, if I played for you Mike right now you two where the streets have no name and I blast it to level 10 and you just immerse yourself in that song there's 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 feelings memories uh, emotions have you seen you two live before yes I, all those things just starting to hear that yeah like it put it puts you right there and I, I think part of the you know, just in my view of it, part of the masterpiece of what God made in giving us music, which is like, seems like the very definition of a thing that didn't have to be created. We don't need it. It's not essential to life. If, if music was not a thing that existed from the beginning of time, it it wouldn't even be weird. You don't need it to live, breathe, move (laughs) any of those things. But, um, I, I think that God gave music to us as a gift because uh, I think as you, as we gather together on Sundays, as you immerse yourself in who God is, I think that starts to root itself in you also, where you, you get those same kind of shortcut emotional connections and like senses of identity. Um, it does stuff in you when, when the band starts singing a song that you, you, walk through a season of life where God was doing a, a thing. There's a song for, for Emily and I where we had been through some seasons of, uh, we have four kids. We had uh, a couple seasons of life where uh, we had uh, pregnancies that ended up being failed that were really difficult. And we, had, we were on our way into a, a doctor's appointment with, uh, with Lily, who would turn out to be Lily, my youngest. And on the way there, this was like the the appointment where they do the ultrasound. They're looking for the mm-hmm. heartbeat, which has been a hard one for us in the past. And on the way there, it just happened to scroll through uh, on uh, iTunes or Spotify or something, and the, the song Good, Good Father came on. And both of us just, just this sense of, of peace and calm of like the words of, and the truth of the song of you're a good, good father. It's who you are. You're perfect in all your ways. Um, and now whenever we, whenever we hear that song or play it or sing it or anything, it's just like immediately that sense of thankfulness mm. uh, of who God is and understanding of his purpose in our lives. So I, there's something about that and singing it that's different than me just going, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Mm. It's who you are. There's just something about this thing that happens in our brain, this like beautiful gift God gave us where, where melody and, and sound and music and the power of the lyrics, it all comes together to just be something more than the sum of its parts, which is just so neat to me. 
That's well described. I, I realize as you say that, I, I witnessed that a week ago Saturday. A dear friend of mine's mother died uh, was in stages of dementia, and I went and officiated the funeral for the family in Roanoke, Virginia. And it, just like at the end of every funeral that I lead, we finish with amazing grace. And just you saying that, I watch the faces of everyone as those for initial notes come out. And everyone <clears throat> sings it. It's a, it's a memory of God's faithfulness. It's a recital of God's goodness through the grace of Jesus Christ. And it, uh, it's a balm. It's a salve. Hmm. On everyone at the end of a funeral, it, it's uh, no matter what else I do in the funeral, I feel like it's my greatest gift to insi- gently insist that we end funerals that way. Well, um, there was a TED Talk you showed me, a portion of that that book's content, and I bet folks could look that up. Um, so, Harrison, we've used the word worship now a bunch of times yep. without defining it. How about you... Uh, a few years ago, you and I decided that we felt like the people of Lake Forest, like we show up here uh, on Sundays before the pandemic, and, and we worship, and we call it a worship service. But do do people have a, a, a handhold on, now what is it I'm doing right now? Mm-hmm. And so we came up with that kind of a definition. Yeah, we did. We hashed it out for a while, and, and for every one definition that I'm sure folks have landed on, there's... 30 more, but the one that we found that feels like it summed it up well for us and what we want to accomplish as we worship is that we worship to receive God's love for us and to express our love to him. And we actually, I love uh, that definition. I really like it. And we intentionally put those two clauses in that order on Mm -hmm. purpose um, because it it is, it is very true. uh, It's, it's directly scriptural actually that, we, we love because he first loved us. The mm. first act yes. of this thing of worship is, is God's love toward us. That's the, that's the thing that starts the whole deal. So if, if you don't begin there, then you're already like missing it. That's really good. I, and I imagine some Reformed theologians could argue, no, no, you should start the definition with giving glory to God. And that's true theologically. But what you said is biblical. It, it, we're only reacting after we have been acted upon by a good, loving God, a good, good Father, as you said. Uh, you, so, friends, you start noticing Harrison says that definition often in the worship service, and maybe it's time to, for us to emphasize that a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, which we are going to on an upcoming Sunday, actually. We have that planned. Yep. Um, so tell me, what does that mean, Harrison? You're the leader of this. <laughs> You're the maestro what does that mean for me? Um, I was sitting at the back cafe table this past Sunday because Jeff was preaching and I had no role in the service. I had a ball cap on. Yep. It was, I was in incognito mode yep. in the back. Uh, and I enjoyed my own uh, worshiping with everyone. What, is it that, what does that mean for a person sitting in that chair and standing on the floor to receive God's love and express our love back to Him? What, what is the... What is the conscious activity to do that rather than only being someone who comes in and consumes a worship service as something done to them? Yeah, sure. No, that's, that's 
that's a great way to frame it too, because, um, we, we get so, uh, we get so transactional sometimes with that. It feels like, uh, it is, it's nice to, to think of it. And again, if you're beginning with the framework that we have there, I think the, the, the most important place to start, um, when you come in and you're ready to experience this worship service, a lot of times we'll begin, uh, with something that we call a call to worship, which has been a historically important part of us gathering Christian worship because um, there is, whether it's in a call to worship or whether it's something that you're doing yourself, a really good first step as you're um, preparing to worship is to do just that. It's to prepare. There was a really neat worship song um, a couple years ago that a line stuck in my brain and it said, uh, we come to this place with intentions of finding you. And I, th- I think that's a good start is, um, is arriving in anticipation of expectation of saying, um, God, I'm, I'm open for you to move. There's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, a lot different posture and body language to, to coming in with arms crossed across your chest. Um, even just metaphorically, uh, physically also there's body language stuff that we notice that, yeah, that matters, but you and I noticed um, that. coming in, sitting there with, with arms crossed and just kind of watching to see, you know, what's going to happen here. And then coming kind of with that posture of hands open and saying, um, God, I'm hoping I'm listening. I'm, I'm expecting. Um, so that's an act of faith you're describing. It is. It, it is uh, an act of faith. I mean, our whole relationship with God is our part is faith, uh, which is trusting what God has said and acting on it. Uh, and so you're saying that in the worship service, the weekly act of worship, it's coming in with a trusting attitude. God has invited me here, commanded me here. I am here at his beck and call. Therefore, I will expect um, that the Lord is here and has something for me. It may not be spectacular, mm-hmm. etc. Um, that's helpful. I catch myself in, uh, even in yesterday, I met with a ministry partner about something in their life, and halfway through, I caught myself. I had my arms crossed, I had my legs crossed, and my body was tilted away from them. And I, I even caught myself, I was very engaged, but I realized my body is communicating to my own self and to them that I'm kind of not all in on this conversation. I opened up my body posture in that moment. And so I think he's saying that in worship, that is a yeah. part of intentionality. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that's so good. Cause the, it, it's, you talk about worship. There's, an, there's a, a part, there's so many, there's so many things that, that are a part of that. But I think a part of it, again, it, it, as you're, as you're entering into this holy moment, you look in the old Testament and, for example, you know, Moses is encountering God in the form of this, this burning bush. Um, like I guarantee you, he was all the way present. He fell down in awe. Yeah. Just in our scripture reading for last week's sermon on David, we read, uh, those keeping up in first Samuel, David dancing for joy, uninhibited Hmm. in front of the people of God as they were worshiping and bringing the ark, um, into Jerusalem for the first time. And, even his wife even said, that was a little undignified. He said, I don't care. Yeah. I will be, I, I will dance in joy before the Lord. I, I think another body posture thing that I notice sometimes 
I've noticed this for me in meetings, and I'm trying to be conscious of it, but I think this applies to worship. It's do we come into worship not only with an open body posture, but how about our face and our countenance? Are you encountering God with resting butt face? Um, if I may make up that phrase. Yep, I like um, it. Because you and I, again, you and I see this. Friends, we're just saying what we see. And if if I'm in a conversation with my wife and, I just, and I'm, I'm not paying attention to my countenance and I give her resting butt face, that communicates something to her and it can... And it also drives part of my own emotional encounter with her. I think in worship, coming with a countenance that's open, that's uplifted, can actually direct your own body and mind and, and more importantly, your spirit to be more open uh, and sanguine with the Lord in worship. Yeah, and then uh, another part of it that, you know, to be encouraged if— there's no, there's nobody, not me, not you, not anyone who's out here ever. I, I will feel comfortable making this blanket statement. Um, there's nobody who comes uh, to worship fully prepared, 100% ready every time, 100% in a place where they feel like, man, me and God are so good right now. I understand everything he's doing in my life and everything is perfect. Um, I said this last Sunday, and I, I don't say it a lot. I don't know what, what made it pop into my mind, but it is really important to note, too, and I hope this is encouraging, actually. There, there's, there's an aspect of, of worship sometimes also that's like straight aspirational at times where it's like, you yeah. know what? I, I am in turmoil. I, don't, I, I honestly don't 100% know if... I am all the way with it, with these words that I'm about to sing, but you know what? I'm going to sing it anyways. And I am going to, I'm going to aspire to make this true in my life because that, that is what I'm desperate for. And what I'm hungry for, even in these moments where it feels far away. And I think there's such, there's such a, a discipline and an act of, um, of I'm almost obedience of saying like, yeah. God, even in this storm, I'm going to praise you. Even my, even in my uncertainty, I'm I'm going to worship you. Even as I don't know where I stand, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lift my voice and sing. And I'm I'm making a conscious decision with my body and with my voice and with with my presence to say, I am choosing in these moments yes. to to believe in who you are, even. Even if I don't know. <laughs> and that's treating it like the relationship it is. It's personal. It's person to person. God is person. Uh, God is spirit, but God is also person revealed by the old covenant and Jesus. And isn't that true in our important relationships? We, um, we speak to our spouse aspirationally when we're not feeling it. That, that creates a better marriage mm-hmm. when you say... Uh, I love you, uh, you're wonderful, or e- even when it's a blah little period, that's out of obedience, that's out of God has said that that is the best way to <laughs> treat yeah. your spouse, and, and it creates a better marriage, um, like existentially, yeah. uh, as well as making being the first to make the bed on a normal day when you don't have ooey-gooey feelings, but the 
And that kind of same uh, principle, I think, is what you're describing is at work and worship. I have found that yeah. to be true. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's such a that's such a healthy way to approach it because very similarly to any relationship like that, you you've done enough counseling and been in people's lives to know this. If you're counting on every time you show up on a Sunday that you're gonna just get, just gonna be overwhelmed by this amazing feeling and the presence of the Holy Spirit and that you're going to walk out of those doors just so energized in your faith and emotion. Sometimes that happens. Yes. God God does that all the time. And some people have a temperament that yeah. are more inclined that that happens more Absolutely, often. but there are there are times where it is it is our our act of obedience to to worship and that's that's what I like about our definition is that you can receive God's love for you and express your love to him no matter where your starting point is in all this, it's just an act of, it's an act of uh, recognition of that, that word worship is, is just kind of like uh, giving the credit where it's due to God to say, I am acknowledging that you have done all this. Every good and perfect thing is coming from you. And I am, I am using my voice and my body as there's like an act of sacrifice to that, especially for some folks that are uncomfortable singing. Yes, and, and that leads me, I want to ask two final questions of you as a professional, because we have a professional here, friends, about this subject that we're talking about. So I want to I throw two, um, a two-part question to you. Can, and I'm going to say the experiential side of, of gathered worship, and we're, we're focused today on the, on the gathered worship event, as something that then sets the idling speed for a life of worship throughout the week. Is it a learnable skill? Um, I spend time in premarital counseling with couples saying, hey, the basics of marriage, are they're not a mystery, and you're not either good or bad at it. I mean, you are good or bad at it right now relationally, but they're all learnable skills. Otherwise, God is just teasing us mm-hmm. <laughs> about a good marriage. So if you apply yourself, is... The experiential side and and it filling you up spiritually somewhat over time is that a learnable skill in your professional opinion uh, when when guys like you are behind closed doors talking? Uh, I think it absolutely is because I think um, just like all these things that it's <clears throat> it's a discipline it's a practice in a way it's it's work it's good work it's positive work but but worship i think service by the way that word service in the new testament means work huh. it's the work of the people in uh, 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 approaching god it's interesting because you know um, there's like a there's like a really churchy phrase that used to be around a lot uh, b- before it's, it hasn't been as popular the last 5 or 10 years but it used to be a thing that people would go you know when you when you're together on Sunday, your worship it should just be the the outflow of your heart of what God's already been doing in your life that week. We don't say it that way a lot any, anymore, but I think the principle of that is true, and that's the work part is to say, um, when you are when you are doing the work to live a holy life, a life that is aligned with God's purposes. When you're spending time in His Word, when when you're when you're pursuing Christ, um, you are absolutely growing as a worshiper because 
you your heart is more attuned to the language of these songs that we're singing and they 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 have more meaning and fullness and depth and richness to you so absolutely there's there's a learnedness to all that and there's practically a learn a learned aspect of it as well where um part of the great thing about gathering together as a body of believers is um you know a, another thing that's straight up out of the bible where two or three or 300 are mm-hmm. gathered in my name there mm-hmm. i am in the midst of them and it's there's there's like a promise that god shows up and does stuff and i think being just continuing to be present um and continuing to be a part of worshiping together with god's people is an act of of growing and learning in itself because you are you are um immersing yourself in the in in an environment that is specifically designed uh we we do everything that we do on the speaking of the professional side on the back end of all this all the decisions that we make as a worship team all the decisions that we're making as we're putting it together every part of what happens in this room on sunday all the intentional choices about the way that we have the lights turned on the way we run the sound none of those are supposed to be about making us look cool (laughs) Um, or sound whatever all those every part of what we do is designed so that when when you as a person attending come into the room that there are as few distractions as possible for you to be able to have an encounter with God and with his spirit so every little decision that's made leading up to that is for that reason. So I, my hope and my true belief is that just by being around and here, you're choosing to put yourself in a situation, in a position where, where, um, God is doing stuff and you're here. Then, then I think people would attest that, that are, have been a part of Lake Forest or in Christian worship in general in places for a long time that you, and if you're in a place where there's a vibrant, worship community man you just find yourself pulled into that and it starts becoming your heart language as well all work involves some form of productivity as a result and this is good work if you can get it the work of of worship during the week the behaviors you described and sunday and the produce is the long-term work god does in our own hearts and encourages others um and this is why for the random American Christians who are like, man, you don't have to be part of church to be a Christian. Well, you don't actually to be a Christian, but to live as a biblical Christian, you do. Um, some of the second part of my question, the last question, mm-hmm. <clears throat> down to brass tacks, you and I look out every Sunday and we see a lot of people who are just not singing. Now we're on the singing part. We're Really, this is the whole service, including interacting with Scripture, but the singing part. A lot of people... Well, I don't know. I don't know how many. Um, is that okay? Or is that an example of, of not doing the work? Um, is it okay for like the one or two people who really are so bad, it will ruin the experience for other people? <laughs> Tell me about that. What do worship leaders like you say about that? I mean, I, I just think <clears throat> for some of the reasons I mentioned before, um, I think it's, I think it's, something God wants from us is to sing, sing, sing to the Lord, a new song. I You're think, right. I think it's something, yeah. I, I think it's something that he wants. And I, it's an imperative. I, I, I would, us. I would look at it this way. To, In uh, the new Testament as well. Yeah. Uh, 
greet one another, be with one another with spiritual songs and hymns. That's right. So I think a couple things take the pressure off of that a little bit. Number one, when there's folks like that, I would challenge them to say, really, truly, have you not ever been to a concert? Did you ever see Journey <laughs> once and just start? Don't stop. Everyone, man. Like, who's there going, oh, I don't have a good voice. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> when you're, when you're, when you're in a moment where you're truly all inhibitions down and you're not worried about it, I would, I would think that almost yeah. every single person in the world has been in a scenario where they have just let it loose who, and not worry about it. Who has gone to a Davidson Wildcats basketball game or a Carolina Panthers game and at the beginning of the fourth quarter has not sung sweet at least the bo, bo, bo. exactly I think the other thing that just puts it in perspective for us a little bit is that that um, I, I talk about a lot with our team is that in the Old Testament as we've been studying together here throughout this year um, the idea of worship and sacrifice were like the, they were hand in hand, like worship word, yes. was sacrifice and sacrifice was worship. And, and you would you used would, in Romans 12. Yeah. Yes. You would go. And so, you know, I would say to folks like that, you're this, you know, if, if this sounds bad or, or crude, but I think it's true is that, you know, we're not sacrificing a, a spotless lamb. If the act of, if the act of sacrifice for you in worship is to feel hmm uncomfortable because you're uh, worried about how your voice sounds or you, you have inhibitions that have you feeling weird to sing. Um, I would examine that and think about approaching that as your act of sacrifice. And then if, if that's something that you're able to work through and figure out, then the sweetness of getting to that place of lifting your voice and singing is going to have extra significance to you particularly because you're making a conscious decision in those moments to say, God, even though I don't feel comfortable with this, this is, this is my little mini act of sacrifice to you in these moments to, to say, I'm going to sing and, and so be it. That's super helpful. Harrison, I wonder if we might give a truncated coaching session on our outdoor worship service, May 23rd, where the subject matter is going to be worship. That's the Sunday we're talking about the Psalms. Um, I wonder if if you might even have a moment to uh, coach us all before, uh, maybe in between the first two songs, and go, this is just right now. This is your act of service. It's actually called a sacrifice, so uh, without, you know, putting people on the spot. Harrison, this was a helpful conversation for me. I hope it was for you, friends. Um, good to be with you today on our podcast, talking about worship and not showing up with a resting butt face. That's right. <laughs> good to be with you guys again. Look forward to hanging out next time for episode 50, where maybe something special will happen. Maybe not. We don't have any plans. We should because it's 50. So we'll catch you guys next time.